Welcome back to The Backmarkers, the F1 podcast for new fans, by new fans. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by Austin Evans. Hi, Austin Evans. Hello, Mike Hurley. And isn't it great to be back at a slightly more reasonable time for you to discuss yeah. the Emila GP, says the guy who woke up at 5 o'clock this morning. <laughs> it's better for everyone. Everyone's better. You're better, I'm better, we're all better. Uh, what have we got? It's Miami next time, right? So that's going to be a little bit different times again. I need to look into that. We can talk about that a little later on in the race. Uh, so we are the backmarkers. Why are we the backmarkers? Well, the backmarkers, they're at the back of the pack. They don't have as much experience sometimes. We'll get to that a little later on today, maybe. Uh, but they have the most heart. You know, it's like we don't have decades of experience in Formula One podcasting, but we have the most heart, and that's why we are here. Austin Evans, let's do your job. Give us a quick recap of the race. Absolutely. So after what was a busy, then quiet, then busy Grand Prix, the podium was Max got a very commanding win. Checo came in second. So it was the first one, two for Red Bull in many, many years. On top of that, Lando surprisingly came in in P3 rounding out the podium. Going down the rest of the points scoring positions, we've got George Russell in P4 for Mercedes. We've got uh, Valtteri Bottas in P5. That got a little spicy, but that's P5. Then uh, Charles Leclerc in P6. <clears throat> we'll talk about that as well. Mm -hmm. uh, shout out to Yuki Tsunoda for uh, getting a really solid P7 on this one, as well as Seb got P8. Then we've got Magnussen at P9, and finally Lance Stroll at P10, meaning that now, officially, every single team has at least scored a point this year, and we're, what, four races in? So that's nice to see, and I'm sure Aston are happy to get some double points, but... Yeah, it was it was an interesting race because we kind of yep. very much felt like it was either all on or all off because like that middle like 30, 40 laps, boy, it was, uh, I was getting a little sleepy there. <laughs> yeah, it had a bit of a dip in the middle. Like it really, and it was like the wonder of like, is there going to be rain? You know, because it started with a wet, re wet weekend uh, in general. Um, should we to do a little bit of context? So this race was the first sprint race of the season. Austin, I'm not sure if you were following along. It took me about a good 45 minutes to try and wrap my head around the changes to the sprint weekend uh, change this time. Yeah. Uh, but for people that are maybe not following. So there are a couple of differences. So in for this season, instead of the points just being awarded to the top three winners, and I think it was 3-2-1, they're now the top eight positions in the sprint. And so the sprint race happens on Saturdays. They move the whole weekend around quite qualifying on Friday. You have a 20-odd 20, 20 lap race just to decide the final grid position for the day. Points are now awarded for positions one to eight in eight for the winner of the sprint race going down uh, with decreasing points. This is a nice chunk of points now, eight points. I mean, and we can see it, you know, like in the driver's standings already, Max Verstappen, I think, before this weekend was in eighth and he's now in second. And that comes from winning eight, he, he got the whole thing. Eight sprint points. He got the 20. Is it 25 plus five? 25 plus, plus one for fastest lap. Plus one. So he got a good haul propelling him into second the driver's standings. Uh, but there's an interesting wrinkle, which I can't get my head around while they've done this. Technically, you know, pole position is still <laughs> the person who qualifies fastest on Friday, but pole position doesn't mean you'll start first on Sunday. Whoever wins the sprint race starts first on Sunday, but they are not technically the pole position winner. 
Yes, hello, welcome to the Backmarkers, the F1 show that breaks down the very specific rules and regulations of Formula One. I um, just can't, I can't get my head around it. This is, <laughs> this feels like a politics thing, right? Someone was upset about like the records or some nonsense. Yeah, yeah. So basically, in a traditional weekend, of course, it's pretty simple. There's three free practice sessions where it doesn't really matter. Everyone just goes out, has a good time, gets some data, et cetera, et cetera. There's on Saturday, there's regular qualifying and it's very simple. The fastest people get to start at the uh, the top of the race and everyone kind of goes slower and slower and slower and then you finish P3 or P6 or whatever. And that's the starting grid for the race. However, yeah. last year, Formula One started to implement these sprint races, which to be fair, has been around in F2 for a little bit. And generally speaking, it's a way to get a little bit of extra excitement to make sure that it's actually worth watching because most people don't really watch anything on Friday, right? Because traditionally, it's just practice sessions on Friday and qualifying on Saturday. So the mm -hmm. sprint races are designed to make it where, oh, you want to watch qualifying on Friday, the sprint race on Saturday, and then the race on Sunday. It's a good idea However, it's definitely a little bit messy, and they've been kind of tinkering with not only the naming of it because they were very clear it was Gwent, it was sprint qualifying last year due to some weird like rules as far as what they had to do or whatever. This year they freed it up a little bit. I'm still a little bit mixed on it. I appreciate seeing a little bit of extra racing action, but also on the other hand, it does feel like a little bit of the excitement at the beginning of the race is sort of lost because all the, the major overtakes and anyone who's out of position for qualifying, generally speaking, kind of got shuffled down during the sprint race. So it's interesting to see, but it's definitely complicated to, to keep up with who's going to get what points. And then especially when you look at the, the records, right, of who got pole, means nothing compared to who actually started at the beginning of the race because it's qualifying, then the sprint race, then the actual race itself. Yep. I mean, I'm a big fan of sprint races because I just want more racing. Sure, but sure. What I, mean, I like think about it. on a sprint weekend, because I watch, I, most of the time I watch qualifying now. And so on a sprint weekend, I get Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I've said this before many times, and I'm going to say this throughout the history of this show. When people say that like there are boring races, I'm never bored. I just like watching the cars go around the track. Because like, for me, some of the excitement comes from, and we had it today, of like something could happen. And like that sustains me that even if nothing happens, I'm still like, okay, what can I take away from this whole thing, right? Like what, what, is, what is the thing that I have enjoyed today, you know? So I, the sprint race was fun because Max overtook at the end, right? So that added some drama to it. Um, and I understand what people are saying about like, oh, you know, all the sprint race did was neutralize the qualifying. But I don't really, I don't really see that argument because if the sprint race did it, the race would have done it. Yeah. I mean, really the That's way- That's how the, I feel anyway. The way the sprint races are laid out is essentially like it's just one race and there just happens to be a yeah. red flag and like 24 hours in between, right? Like mm -hmm. it really kind of, as you said, it kind of neutralizes it in some ways, but in a lot of other ways, it's just a 30% longer race or whatever the actual number yep. is. So it's it's interesting. I, I think it was nice to see this weekend because we had sort of a wet qualifying session. Then we had a dry sprint race and then a wet slash dry race. So there was a lot of variety there. Um, uh -huh. As far as I know, there's two more sprint races this year, but there was yep. talk about maybe even doing as many as five or six sprint races for next year. So yeah, it's that, they something... wanted to do it this year, but it seems to have been some shenanigans. And that's what, like, uh, I, I agree with what uh, Feek is saying in the chat. Sprint races are nice to have, and three of them per season is like the perfect number. So my feeling is either you do three or you just change the format, and it's always this. Like that's kind of how, like I feel like you do, don't just keep doing them. Either do a couple. 
like just a small handful or make it just the default this is how the race weekend is run if you do like a quarter of the races or half of the race like it doesn't make sense to me it's kind of like either go all in on this is like the qualifying or do something like reverse qualifying or whatever you want but like i i don't think they should just keep like increasing the amount of differences that occur either make it like a special thing on certain weekends or just change the format up completely yeah yeah i could believe that i mean the idea behind a sprint race among the, all the other stuff, as far as like, please watch all our races is that you're giving these drivers, you know, 20 something laps to go flat out, right? They don't have to take a pit stop. Like they can just go flat out. And especially with so many more points on offer, it definitely does seem like compared to last year, there's more incentive to really go for it. If you're P4, most people are like, ah, oh, whatever, I don't care. But P4 pays out a lot of points now. So I, yep. I agree. I'm okay with the sprint races. I'm still happy to see them, but you're right. If this was every weekend, it might get a little bit grating. But as far as having it kind of, you know, a little, a little extra spice on a few races throughout the year, I'm very happy with that. But... Mike, there's a lot that we have to go over because yeah. not only do we have the qualifying, which is wet, the sprint race and everything, but of course, our good buddy Carlos Sainz got a huge contract extension. There was a lot of talk about whether or not he was Ugh. going to get it. And yeah. uh, so now he's been with Ferrari since last year. He had a contract up until the end of 2022. However, it has now been extended all the way till the end of 2024. So the Ferrari driver pairing is not going to be changing in a hurry anytime soon and to celebrate carlos put in one of the most impressive performances <laughs> of the season if not of his career and made it three turns before danny rick spun him out well i mean also it's kind of impressive to crash both in qualifying and the race mm. carlos man like I, I was uh, i think the commentators were talking about this uh during the qualifying and the sprint and, and it really is true that I think it is a combination of him. He has bad luck mm -hmm. and he maybe loses his cool a little bit. Carlos keeps finding himself in this kind of situation. Um, I think most weekends of the season so far, something has happened to Carlos Sainz, mm -hmm. you know, like during the whole uh, weekend as, as a whole. I mean, and when you look at the difference between him and Charles, Charles is in at 86 points in at first and then Carlos is at 38 points in a fifth in the standings right now. This was not the weekend for him. I mean, it being in Italy is bad enough, and we're going to get to that. But then for it to be a weekend where Ferrari have like officially to the world been like, we believe in this guy. He's our guy. And then he causes untold amounts of money and damage i'm sure right like maybe not that much. it wasn't too bad but like it damaged money right and just no points yeah i mean to be fair if you watch that replay i mean it was a real racing incident uh, i do oh, think it sure. wasn't it, it was to me a little bit more on danny rick's fault than carlos oh, i don't it, think carlos was doing it, anything wrong yeah he was fighting, i don't like, really fault anyone like it, it it was just a thing that happened uh, it's not carlos's fault uh, but he keeps finding himself in these kinds of situations, right? This is the yeah. problem. Yeah, and it's it's unfortunate. But that being said, it's a long season. It's very easy to get caught up. I mean, what were we doing last week? But we're talking about how like Max and Red Bull they're almost out of the championship, blah blah blah. And now Max, I mean, he's basically either winning every race or DNFing every race. So 
give a few more of these things, there's a huge swing this time with Nelly Charles making his huge mistake and throwing away, what, 15, 17 points or whatever it was, um, but also seeing Red Bull come back and about the most dominant one-two that you could imagine. Um, Mike, there's... Uh, th- I'm excited to see this season because I'm, I'm not going to lie, sitting there watching the race this morning, I was like, okay, you know, I'm really happy that these 2022 cars can follow so much more closely, especially at a track like Imola, which is really not very conducive to overtaking at all. But seeing everyone just lap after lap right up yep. against each other, really being able to follow, maybe not being able to pass quite so well, but at least being able to follow, it's great. It's really, really yeah, exciting. Yeah, I think the pass thing was a bit of an issue with the DRS being disabled for most of the race, yeah. um, which seemed like an odd choice. Um, I, I don't really, I don't know what the thinking was behind that. Maybe the race director will give some kind of report later on, but it seemed like that they were maybe being a little too skittish, I think, uh, on, on keeping it disabled for as much of the race as they did. Because some of the racing did change, but the problem was by that point, I think, because there was no DRS, there was too big of a DRS train mm. in the midfield that had kind of built up by that point. So then it became... Let's just start talking about some of the race moments. It became impossible for Lewis. Uh, this was, <laughs> this was ab- just, I mean, I, I haven't got to hear his interviews yet. Uh, and I'm keen to hear what Lewis will have to say over the next week or so. I mean, he already has been quoted this week, I think, as saying that this is maybe the worst, if not uh, equal to the worst car he has ever driven in Formula One. We can get to this in a little bit, uh, especially with our good old boy George there. But this was just, I think I actually ended up being just a very unlucky race for Lewis Hamilton. The the hit from O'Connor, I don't think helped uh, in the in the pits, right? And then, I mean, Pierre Gasly, an absolute lion, keeping Lewis behind him for the entire race. It was very impressive, but terrible yeah. for Lewis. Man, so here's the thing, right? If we go back a year to the Imola Grand Prix and... There was a lot of criticism thrown at Valtteri for being really far down the field, not doing what he could do. And it was a constant thing of like, oh, he can't pass. Every time Lewis has a fast car, he just rips by everyone. I think we're starting to see a little bit of a crack in that because, look, Lewis had opportunities. He tried, but there was just nothing in the car and there's nothing in him that he could really get make sort of make any real move stick. And I mean, I, I don't know how many laps he was behind Pierre. It felt like it was a lot i mean pretty much every single race. Lap. absolutely yeah. absolutely so, it was it was from the pitting so as soon as they uh, switched over to the slick tires it was that for the entire time look ah that's tough and i mean as far as why drs was disabled for so long i mean again think back to last year i mean that was very famously where valtteri and george came together pretty sure george was trying a drs overtake on the outside of valtteri and got a little that wet was the and- bad decision from george like that that was all that was george went on the grass and slipped he, into him all the way out yeah, yeah yeah so i'm sure race directors getting flashbacks of that and like mm, we're gonna leave drs off for a few more laps i don't trust these guys but uh, fair enough but god yeah it's it's tough i mean look it's hard not to feel for mercedes when they're behind but also it's hard not to feel for lewis right i mean you have to keep in mm-hmm. mind that he has been very comfortably the number one at mercedes mm-hmm. for a number of years ever since nico left and sort of valtteri came in the team in 2017 and now what we're seeing is george is outperforming him not comprehensively i think it's definitely dependent weekend by weekend but i don't think anyone can look at these first four races and think that george 
as a newcomer to the team is, you know, oh, he's got to catch up, he's got to do this. I think he's really on a real level with Lewis, and especially considering the way that they finished today and the way that the races and the qualifying and everything came together. I mean, look, everyone has a bad day. Everyone has a rough, you know, patch here and there. But I think this is all making George look great and Lewis really having to struggle to not keep his head in the right place. But also, you know, you get all the interviews with Toto and everyone. It's just like this team, which has been dominant for so long, are almost like, oh, hey, how's it feel to suck again this week? Oh, yeah, yeah how's it going? hammered. Like, it's got to be, from a mental health perspective, it's got to be really tough for everyone at Mercedes. Because not only are they bad and everyone's talking about it, everyone won't keep saying to them, like, won't stop saying to them, you're terrible, right? Like, you're not going to win this, right? Like, you've got no chance, right? And it must, it must be hammering them. But George Russell, head down, looking forward. Because to him, for George, all he has lost is opportunity, hmm. Right? He is having the best season in Formula One he has ever had. And I genuinely think this is a difference maker. Because everyone around him, I'm sure it's hard to be in that environment, but everyone around him has gone down. George has gone up. And, and I actually do think, for me, like one of the saddest things of the season isn't that Mercedes is where they are. It's that not enough attention, I think, is being put on George Russell for doing something that so few drivers can do, which is come into a new team and perform. He is performing, outperforming one of the greatest of all time consistently. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I think potentially George is used to bad cars. (laughs) And he can, we have seen it, he can put a car that isn't supposed to do what it's supposed to do past the point that it can. Yeah. And look, there's, there, I think there is skill and there's fortune and there's a whole mix of things coming into it. But George Russell is having a superb season. I stand by... Look, my original prediction was in seven races. That feels wonky. Now, I think George Russell will win a race this year. Mm. All they've got to do is put the right car under him and he's going to do it. He's not going to be the world champion but I think that he has shown he has the stuff. Like him holding Valtteri back today was superb because don't forget, something went wrong. They didn't adjust his wing right. So George was was basically with a limping car for three quarters of the race mm-hmm. and he was able to put that in, put that fourth place position in. Again, I think what George has done this week is outperform literally what anybody thought was possible for him. I could not be happier for him and also for Lando this weekend. I would just yeah. say, if, we, if you want to move on, we can touch back on that, but if you want to move on, I'd like to talk about Lando. Oh, absolutely. Lando, I mean, look, he had a great weekend, right? Like, he had you know, a great start at the beginning of the race to get you know up to P3. Uh, obviously, he didn't really quite have the pace of the Red Bull or the Ferrari, but he was very comfortably best of the rest. No one really was even kind of coming close. And as soon as Charles had his issue, Lando's like, Oh, hello. Goodbye. All right. P3, no problem. Like, I mean, it was a very, very well-run race. And I think it's something we've really become to expect from Lando, right? I mean, Lando just gets the job done. Sometimes he has, you know, a little bit of a trouble here or there. But generally speaking, if he's got a remotely decent car and sort of not 17 people running into him or causing him issues, whatever, you know, he's going to get the absolute most out of the race. And I think McLaren has really been able to sort of rely on him to just keep day in, day out, race in, race out, delivering exactly what that team needs. Let's not forget that McLaren started the season 
heavily on the back foot. We're remember Massively. we're over here, you know, a few weeks ago saying like, oh man, all the Mercedes powered cars look terrible and this and that and everything. Well, I still think that Mercedes have some power issues. It's yep. really nice to see the McLaren has not fell off the pace like they kind of looked like at the beginning because they've been on a real upward trajectory the last couple of years. It's been great to see. And now a race like this, I think, just goes to show that McLaren, it wasn't just a blip. It wasn't a a one-off or whatever. That They really are in it, and they're going to continue to be in it. And if Danny Rick hadn't had his issue at the beginning, he very well would have been right up there with Lando as well. Yeah, it's very possible. It's very possible. I don't remember where he qualified. Um, what the two of the what P the difference was in qualifying? Five and six, I believe, or six, five okay. and six. Eight. They they were side by side. So, oh yes, they were, weren't they? Yeah, yep. five and six. You're right. Yep. Um, I just think I'm sorry for Lando. This is second year in a row for him getting uh, third place in Imola. Yeah, uh, taking advantage of a situation which was good for him. But don't forget, like he had a better start than Leclerc. Oh, it was great. Leclerc, terrible start. This this was uh it was not written in the stars for Charles Leclerc today, and it was very unfortunate what happened to him. I would say unfortunate, maybe reckless um, uh, as well. That's I'm, not, rough. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Right? Uh. I'm not sure. Is it? Is it? I don't know. Right? Like, because the way that uh, the commentators were talking of like, well, why did he do that? He shouldn't have done that. It, like Nico was Nico Rosberg. Nico Rosberg, by the way, nobody loves to point out uh, M- Lewis Hamilton's misfortune yeah. more than Nico Rosberg. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? Like every time they would ask him a question, he'd be like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." But Lewis, by the way, right? Like just like a complete. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, that's a good point. But have you seen Lewis Hamilton recently? Like, oh, very funny to me. God, yeah, um, Nico needs. But to yeah, kill. It, it it wasn't. It was not. Ferrari should never race in Italy. Uh, I mean, look. You don't have to be a Ferrari fan to think it's a pretty cool sight to see the Tifosi just the Oh, it looks incredible. Stands. I love it. I love the look of it. They have horrific luck in Italy. Yeah. I think every Italian-based Grand Prix that I've seen in the last three years, they have some kind of horrible luck, and today is about as bad as it could possibly get. I mean, yeah. yes, Carlos got across the line. I mean, he should have won the race, right? Like, that was what everyone was expecting of him today. It's like, you are going to win this, Charles. And to to have a DNF from Carlos and then to have that terrible luck from Charles, it's like, it's just very, it's just like the, the, it is just bad mojo for them whenever they're in Italy. I think the pressure is so strong. Yeah. And like, the, the spotlight is so strong. I, I can only imagine how hard that is as a driver. So, like, I love seeing Italian fans. I just wish for them that they could get to see the Ferrari team give them what they want. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. I mean, look, you never know what's going to happen. I think Ferrari definitely just had a lot of bad luck today more than anything else. I mean, especially for Carlos. I mean, there's just, there wasn't, it didn't seem like there's a whole lot that he could do. And look, I am never going to fault a driver who's out there pushing hard. Obviously, even later in the race, there were still wet patches in the track. Uh, Charles was pushing super hard to get over those curbs to try to get a Mm -hmm. good run. Like, Look, I want to see everyone pushing to the max. And if that sometimes means that you're going to have an accident, then that's fine, right? Like, that's just part of it. Obviously, it's not great for Charles. He still has a very comfortable lead, but... That very, very huge lead has now come down significantly, and especially considering how early we are in the season, you cannot count out Max and Red Bull yet, right? I still think, on the whole of things, Ferrari does have the better overall package in their vehicle, and I still think, obviously, Charles is an incredible driver, 
But races like this are absolutely what would throw away a championship. And you know if Charles doesn't win this championship, he's going to look back on today and think this is one of the major, yep. major times that if not, he could have done better. At least there were a lot more points on offer if he hadn't made that mistake. I mean, that's that's tough. But you know what? It's racing, right? I mean, again, I'd yeah, love to now, see. <laughs> there's a 27-point difference between Leclerc and Verstappen. A full race. That's still Verstappen. a full, like, Charles could just not show up uh, in, in Miami. Mm-hmm. He would still have the championship lead. But Yeah, but we were only four races in, right? Like, yeah. the, the, Charles was sitting so much stronger before this weekend and should have been like that gap there should be another 10 points at least right between between the two of them i still think charlotte claire is going to win the championship yeah if i I was going to put money down now i would say that i still don't think ferrari will i think i think i I think they'll be second i do like yeah and because this is that thing that i keep talking about like i've been talking about it with mercedes in mind for me of like they keep getting Double points finishes. This is their break for that. They did not get a double points finish today. But like that is what can help them when it comes to second half of the season. If they're able to pull out some podium finishes, it's going to raise the team's stock. And Red Bull, they're at 113 right now, which is great, but they should be way higher than this, right? Yeah. Like if you think this, we're into race four and the statistic that everyone keeps talking about is if Max finishes, he finishes first. And that's only <laughs> been this weekend, yeah. right? Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, man, it's, it's tough. I mean, I, I've got to say Red Bull is looking strong as a team. I, I still think Ferrari has the better overall car though, right? Not only just counting Red Bull having their, their reliability issues, but generally speaking, it does seem like Ferrari just have a more well-rounded package. But mm-hmm. that being said, what you're seeing is the Ferrari crew are having sort of more driver-based issues, whereas the Red Bull actual drivers have been pretty much on right. point. They've only been let down by their cars, right? So yep. give it a few more races to see. But that being said, uh, can we just give a shout-out to Checo? I mean, he had a rough yep. qualifying it came back in the sprint race and absolutely bossed it in the race. He completely sort of was Max's wingman, held him up, made sure that he was able to keep that very comfortable race distance. And then on mm-hmm. top of that, Max obviously did an incredible job. But, I mean, who's surprised at this point? But looking at the two of them together, they're looking much more cohesive. They're looking like much more of a real solid team compared to last year. And I think a lot of that is just because this car seems to suit both drivers equally well. Whereas in the past, it really does seem like the entire Red Bull team and that car was hyper-specifically designed for Max and Max alone, and Checo was never super comfortable with it. But nowadays, it seems well, like they've got a nice car that everyone on that team is enjoying driving. But this goes back to what I was saying earlier, though, about it usually takes drivers a season or so to fit in, you know? Yeah. And there's always that conversation. You know, I remember it with Checo, of like, he's still trying to get used to the car, right? And this is why I'm so impressed by George, genuinely. Yeah, I'm so absolutely. impressed with him that he is able to do something that Lewis is not able to do right now for whatever reason that is. Um, what else do we want? To, is there anything else from the race that you wanted to touch on? I mean, so the DRS thing was weird. I mean, I, I mean we just yep. have to keep in mind, Imola is not a great track for overtaking, right? This just has always been the case, especially when you go back to, you know, in the early days, you know, in the 2000s and before when this was part of the regular circuit uh, sort of rotation. I mean, 
you would see very, very little overtaking then, right? So it's just not a great track for overtaking. That being said, though, seeing that DRS train, or I guess the, the non-DRS train, of everyone being able to follow really closely but not actually sort of mm. pass, that was... That was interesting, right? Because it was like, it was great to see everyone stick so close together. Obviously, you know, most of the TV coverage was on Lewis as well as Pierre, but there were a bunch of other people in that train, including Albon. Way too long. The the coverage on Lewis was just ridiculous at some point. Like, at at one point, I think they were talking about Lewis, they were talking about George and Valtteri and showing Lewis. (laughs) And it's like, how many, like, how many times are we going to watch him get close to Pierre and pull away? Like, it was egregious today. Like, I get the point of, like, if you can catch that moment, awesome. But, look, there are so many things you throw to replay on. We did not need to watch Lewis fight and struggle so much today. It was not to anyone's benefit, really. Yeah. Well, so the thing to consider, apologies. <coughs> Yeah, there Problem we go. being live. There we go. <laughs> um, look, I held it. I held it. I held it for as long as I could. Um, uh-huh. But the thing with the way that the TV coverage works, right, is that the commentators and the actual like TV directors are totally separate, right? So that's the world feed that goes out to everyone. So that's decided by a completely different team than like the Sky team it's, or whoever is it's actually decided doing the by F one, right? F one exactly. are deciding what they want to be shown. Exactly, right? And so the commentators, they're watching the screen just like we are, and they just have to talk about what they're seeing, right? They have very little sort of ability to impact what we're actually sort of looking at as far as the feed. So for them, especially when it comes to 20 laps of Lewis and Pierre, there's not a lot that they can say. But yeah, that's, I think, more on just the TV director. But to be fair, I mean, you're right. Every lap, it seemed like Lewis could do it. He could do it. And there wasn't a lot of other action all around. But I think there's definitely still, like, because everything is still so fresh with, you know, obviously Mercedes being so far off the pace compared to where they were in the past, there's still a little bit of a a fascination, I think, a lot of people have with, like, oh, look at Lewis Hamilton, P13, ha, 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 ha. Like, it definitely feels like that's kind of still I mean, there's a fascination with him no matter where he is. Yeah. You know, because he's Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, but I think... A little bit more so. Uh, people love to laugh at someone who's not performing. The funny like, thing, though, right. I mean, I have, you know, my opinions on a lot of this kind of stuff. I think my opinions on Lewis are seen as spicier than others, but even though uh, <laughs> but I don't understand why. It's weird that, like, the same people that want to see Lewis do bad are also the same people that get annoyed that they have to see it, which is, like, a very strange, like, you want it, though, so why don't you want to look at it? It's a very funny thing for me. Yeah. Well, you know what? I mean, when it comes to, like, this reminds me a lot of Seb, right? So, for context, especially if you're a newer F1 fan, Sebastian Vettel won 2010's championship, 2011's championship, 2012's championship, wait, 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013? Wait, he won four in a row. It was 2009? No, no, 2010, 11, 12, 13, yeah. Um, in that time, he was... I don't want to say hated, but people were over it. People were tired of seeing him win. They were tired of seeing Red Bull win. The, every little thing about Seb's personality was starting to kind of grate on people's nerves. It's easy to forget now because I think Seb is probably one of, if not the most popular driver in the field. I think most people you know, are rooting for him. Everyone's like, oh, Seb's yep. such a great guy. Nice, of nice course, guy, Seb. Yep. Absolutely, right? And he is a lot on and off track. Like He seems like a great guy. But it's easy to forget that for a long time, people were like, oh, not another year, blah. Like, it was one of those things. So I think it's like, 
right now, after seeing so many years of Mercedes and Lewis dominance, I still think there's a lot of that inbuilt, just like, oh God, I just want to see someone else win. I just want to see something else. But in reality, it's like, you got to imagine for a guy like Lewis, who has been obviously incredibly fortunate to not only have an incredible amount of talent, but also for almost his entire racing career, in F1 at least, has been in really, really top-tier machinery. Yeah, there are a couple of years toward the end at McLaren that weren't super, super strong. But generally speaking, I mean, it should say something that he's won a race in every single season that he's competed in since 2007, I think. Um, that's impressive. That's a really, really impressive run. I think this is the first time in that whole time. And even he sort of alluded to this a little bit of like, this is one of, if not the worst cars he's ever had to drive as far as how far mm -hmm. it's off the pace. And mm -hmm. I think that's being a little bit sort of amplified by the fact that George, while having problems, seems to be having a lot less and really is maximizing every single point that this car could put out, where Lewis seems like he's doing well sometimes, but then he has other moments like, uh, I forget, it was a race two, two, three races ago, whatever. Remember when he finished P10? He's like, are there points for that? Like, talk yeah. about feeling out of touch with, you yeah. know, like, oh, I'm the king and I've been doing so well. It's like, moments like that, I think fans are really able to, or I guess, Formula One fans are able to really latch on to and really kind of attack him. But yeah. you know that, give it some time, people are going to relax a little bit and kind of, the appreciation for Lewis is going to come back. But right now, it's just really the spectacle of the thing more than anything else, which... It sucks, but I mean, that's, I appreciate that's how people are. I appreciate him. There sure are a lot of Lewis too. Hamilton fans. There are a lot, a lot of Lewis Hamilton fans, but there's a lot of vocal non-Hamilton fans. Yeah. Favorite bat marker of the race? <laughs> Who are you going to give it to this week? Oh, Lewis Hamilton, of course. His oh, racecraft was phenomenal. such a troll. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, for me, it's got to be Pierre. Um which mm. is a little bit of a hard one because on one hand, Pierre didn't make much of an impression on the race and Yuki did much better, but Yuki wasn't technically a backmarker. And Mike, for the very rare opportunity, I'm actually going to follow the rules of yeah, what the so backmarker of the race actually means. So I'm going to go with Pierre, although I do want to give Alex Albon an honorable mention. P11 is a really strong race. We didn't really see much of him, but Albon's he was... having a superb season. He is Absolutely. having a great season in that Williams. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'm going to say Pierre, where are you at? Pierre. Okay. Yeah. Holding off Lewis Hamilton is hard. Yes. Yes. Right. And he did it. And he did a good job of it. And he was not letting him through. I mean, what I will say is I expect more from Pierre than P12, mm -hmm. especially with Yuki and P7. Like, I expect more from Pierre. Yeah, that was great. Like, I was so happy to see Yuki. He was up to P6 yep. at one point, too. Yep. Yeah, and then Charles, uh, Charles got him. But yeah, I was really happy with that. What about your underperformer of the race? It's got to be Lewis, right? It's Lewis's mind. I mean, it was just bad. Yeah. It was just bad. It was just yeah. bad. I, I don't, he was in uh, bad luck, but I don't understand how George was able to make those gains and he wasn't. You know, it's I mean, it easy. goes back to the sprint too. Like I, <laughs> Lewis, just had, Lewis had a really bad weekend, really, really bad weekend. And I don't think there's any other way to put it, honestly. Yeah, it's easy for us sitting at home on our couches to be like, well, Lewis didn't really try to send it that hard. But I don't know the reason. I just know it didn't happen for him, right? Obviously, that car is not great, right? And to be fair, I don't think Mercedes have ever actually been great in traffic. It seems like it's been a pretty constant kind of issue, and especially the way the Alpha Tower and the Mercedes lined up. It just didn't seem like Lewis ever really had a shot. That uh -huh. being said, though, out of all the laps we saw him following, 
I don't think I saw one time where he's like, all right, I'm going to go for it. He's like, mm, nah, I'm fine. Mm, nah, nah, nah. No, 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 I don't agree with you. Uh, there were a really? couple. There were a couple. <sighs> they weren't enough, but there were a couple. But I don't think he could get enough. I guess. I mean, it was cool to see. But the, the context around all of this was that they were in the middle of the train, right? Because Alex was ahead. I think, what was it? Uh, Stroll was also, I think, at the front of that mm-hmm. train. So it's just like... Everyone just followed around the whole time, very much like yeah. kind of the old school DRS train. So it's like, yeah. it sucks, but I think once you get in there and it's clear that no one has the performance to really kind of pass, the rain's not coming, there's no strategy. It's just everyone just holding station. It's it's tough because there's really not a whole lot you could do. But on the other hand, it's like, it's Lewis Hamilton. You kind of expect him to, to do something. Mm-hmm. Like, come on, something, right? Shout out to K-Mag. Kevin Magnuson gets scoring points again. And at ninth, he had a, he best has his best qualifying ever at fourth. Qualified yep. at fourth. Great weekend for Ken Magnuson. Great weekend for him. Absolutely. I mean, he was running right up there after that first sort of initial incident. But obviously, the Haas, while it's decent, it's not a top five or top six car. Right? I think he was able to drag about as much as he could out of mm-hmm. it. Um, I guess if we're going to go and give a couple of honorable mentions for underperformers, um, I do think Mick deserves a, a little bit of a an unkind shout out he had opportunity this race he started p10 which is his best grid positioning yet however he got caught up in that initial sort of accident which i believe he was the one who tagged uh wait did he tag the alpine i think he, he was the one who tagged alpine and knocked alonso and span out, right? out yeah he he was the reason for alonso's car exploding into a thousand pieces <laughs> not for the first time this year <laughs> no uh, also, uh, Danny Rick, I think, needs, uh, as uh, who was saying? Kem was saying in the chat, yep. Danny Rick, I, I can't blame him for that opening thing. I do think it was his fault, but like that was fair enough. It wasn't a huge issue. I mean, you know, it was close sure. racing. But after that, he was nowhere, right? I mean, he got a little lucky because McLaren pulled him in early, and he was able to jump a couple of positions for the pit stops, but... It just wasn't happening for him. He was not able to make anywhere near the progress that Lando was. And it almost makes me wonder, like, oh, if Carlos was actually able to get his car out of the gravel, would he have been able to make it all the way through? Or would he have also been stuck kind of in that midfield? Something tells me that Carlos would have been able to work his way through, but it was Maybe. tough for everyone to pass today. Yeah, it was. I think part of that was the the DRS thing, for sure, right? Like, was, was holding him back, wasn't letting him make the gains. Yeah. Um, yeah, Mick had a bad weekend, a couple of spins. I think he spun out in either the sprint or the qualifying too. I think it must have been the qualifying because he, he did all right in the sprint. I think so, yeah. I mean, like he's still finding his feet, right? But he's having a much better season than he had last year. That's that's for sure. And I think it helps that the Haas uh, is performing well. Yeah, yeah. Way better just, than anybody would have expected. He just needs some points. He needs a point. Just a yeah. point, please. <laughs> Him and Latifi are the only uh, drivers not to get a point so far. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I, think I would. That, I would not. I would uh, take a bet of Latifi not scoring any. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, if I was going to say one of them, I think Mick will pull something because I think he's just got a better car. Yeah. Um, and Albon is squeezing everything possible out of that Williams right now, which is fantastic it's so to see. good to see. Like I, again, yeah. I mean, Alex was a had a whole year out of F one. Right, mm-hmm. went straight from the one of the top teams, Red Bull, being dropped completely out of the sport back up into it and i think he's really doing his best george russell impression right now right i mean Mm -hmm. he is delivering the exact same kind of performances that george was able to pull out of that williams consistently in the mix when the car really doesn't deserve to be there 
Um, yep. It's great to see. I really hope that Alex is able to either stick around Williams for a while or who knows, maybe even kind of work his way back up. Because I think he's clearly proving that he has got the talent to at least deserve something in the midfield. I mean, he's there are going to be really a lot of job. decent spaces, though. I mean, there, there is a trend in the last year of a lot of teams tying up their drivers for a really long time. Yeah. So I'm intrigued to see how that's going to end up playing out as the rest of the season develops. What's your favorite thing from the race? Uh, I actually think a lot of my favorites are like sort of the the P5, P4, P6 sort of zone. So, uh, Bottas. You love Charles Leclerc being in... in uh, uh, no, no, no. Right, everything so around that. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, Loves Charles in six. Uh, it was great to see Valtteri again doing super, super well. I mean, mm-hmm. I think the Alpha is obviously a lot better this year. Um, but also Valtteri is... a fantastic is, car. Yeah, he's doing a terrific job. So he did a great job. He really came close to reeling George. And I do kind of feel like if he had another lap or two, he might have made that stick because he was getting close there. But again, tough to pass. So fair enough. Also, Yuki. Man, what happened with Yuki? I felt like he came out of absolute nowhere. He was kind of... Because uh, I know he gained a few positions toward the start of the mm-hmm. race and all the melee. And then mm-hmm. he just sort of was working his way up and just kind of just kept pulling and pulling and pulling. I guess it was the benefit if he was not in that DRS train, so he was able to kind of start streaking ahead. But shout out to Yuki in a day or on a weekend where Alpha Tower, I mean, this is their home race. They were not looking strong. They sort of qualified, you know, they didn't get out of Q1. So they were looking really, really rough on single lap pace. However, race pace was definitely there. And unlike Pierre, Yuki was absolutely able to take advantage of not only his race craft to avoid all the shenanigans at the beginning of the race and grab some points and grab some actual positions, but then he could just kept gaining and gaining on it. He almost beat Charles, right? Charles only passed him toward mm-hmm. the very end. He was almost able to hold him off on much, much older tires. So, yeah, I think for me... Yuki and Bottas are probably the big ones. And of course, George. You got to give George props. That was super, yep. super impressive. Uh, for me, it's Lando. Like, I-, I was really happy with George. Of course, but I don't want to pick the same thing as you. So we pick something else. Uh, it's Lando Norris. Lando Norris yeah. coming in uh, third. Just fantastic. I love seeing Lando pick up trophies. Like, he's a fantastic driver. I love him. He could be a world champion one day. Yep. Um, and, and, and I really like to see him pick up these things. I think it, it shows his skill. Uh, when, yes. when, you know, if he gets, if Lando gets an opportunity, he'll take it. Like I've said it, uh, I say it a lot when I'm watching it. He has the most guts. I feel like at points, like you see Lando, he pulls things off that like, I just don't know if other people would go for like the way that he took, uh, child start, like really, I think he went around the outside, I think. Um, but he just basically, there was just enough room for his car to fit. And he's like, that's enough room for me. Hello. Like, I, 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 yeah. And I, I think Lando is, is such a special racer to watch. Um, and I was happy to see him. I'm happy for two reasons. I'm happy to see that McLaren have definitely pulled the car together fast. I mean, in a way that Mercedes have got to be incredibly jealous of. And, uh, I'm also happy that it means that Lando can, can once again show what he is actually made of, which I think is, is always special. Absolutely. And then if you look at the actual standings right now, there's a couple of real standouts, especially when it comes to the drivers. Um, so currently, our good buddy Valtteri is only one position behind Lewis and four points behind Lewis. Uh, yeah. To whom you may concern, I feel like, is oh, going to be yeah. something we're going to be hearing a whole lot yeah. this year. Because I honestly yeah. think that that alpha is, on the whole of it, 
maybe a slightly better car than the Mercedes. I think the Mercedes is still a faster car, but it seems more inconsistent. They're having so many more issues sort of firing their tires up and everything. Like when everything's working well, the Mercedes, I think, is faster. But that Alpha yep. just seems to be a slightly slower Ferrari or something. It's just solid. It's been doing well. Obviously, you know, Zhou Kuan Yu has been having some issues with it, but he's a rookie, you know, it's fair enough. And yep. also, he's had his fair share of bad luck. But Valtteri is just in there, race after race, yep. delivering pretty much the maximum that car really feels like it could possibly do. And it's great to see. I think Valtteri is absolutely flourishing in his role. And yeah. I mean, it's hard to I'm imagine. I'm happy for him. him. I'm, I'm really happy for him. Like, you know, he, he had a tough job. And I think there was a concern that Valtteri was now going to slip... Um, into the position of oh my god I'm blanking Raikkonen into Kimmy's mm. position yeah of like oh remember how great he was yeah you know like that was kind of the feeling around Kimmy for years of like hey look he still got it like when he would do something and it, I, I, it, it it kind of I don't know it was a bit I found it a bit awkward for Kimmy right because yeah. it was just purely like the guy was older great racer but his car wasn't enough like he you know the alpha uh the alfa romeo was just not good enough the alfa romeo is now good enough and yeah. so valtteri is able to still show what he never lost right in that he is a world-class driver alfa romeo will not catch mercedes though as a team and no, that's they purely because they have a rookie right so like you know, i understand what you're saying about the car being good but i don't think that's going to play for the long run no i don't think so but so far valtteri has been doing a terrific job in a way that George has, and I think Lewis has maybe not quite gotten the maximum out of his car, I think would be fair to say, which, again, it's the spectacle of the thing. Everyone's like, oh my God, Lewis Hamilton's not in P1, what? Is this even possible? Am I watching the right year of F1 coverage? Is this an, is this an impression of me? Is this what this is? No, uh, of course not. Well, something I find really comments. interesting, the Ferrari, when you look at it, also looks like it's really suffering of porpoising but they're able to control the car more. But yeah. it looked like it was suffering on the main straight just as bad as the Mercedes. Yeah. But for whatever reason, their car can just handle it. I think one of the things I keep hearing them talk about is that there is a, a, a thing where it's a concern of the drivers that they can't handle the car when they're in that moment. That yeah. might be a difference maker between George and Lewis, right? I don't know. Sure. Maybe George Younger... Uh, hungrier maybe I don't know feels like he's got less to lose he's been shaking there around is a confidence an <laughs> yeah I mean I, I don't know right but like you know because this is something I keep hearing them say of like that there is a thought there is a belief that it is a concern of the driver that they can't control the car yeah maybe George is more willing to be dangerous with it I don't know right <laughs> George Russell I mean, like, willing to be dangerous I, but I, I'm being serious. Like maybe yeah. that there is an element of of, and this goes back to what I was saying earlier, which which is my new little thing that I might think a little bit more about is that maybe the potential difference is that Lewis has been used to a better drive, yep, and George hasn't, and yeah. so weird things happening is more George's scene. Like, he is. this is what he knows. Yeah. I don't know. It could be a reason, or it could just be pure luck. We're going to have to see how the next few races go on. By the way, the next race, Ooh. we're back in the old USA, right? They're building yeah, Miami. Maybe. Have you seen any of the images of Miami? They're building a marina inside of it, Austin. Have you seen this? I actually They're building not. a fake marina in the middle of the track. Wait, actually? I'm being deadly serious with you. With, like, boats? Yeah, they're putting some boats in. 
And I don't think they're real boats. And it's it's not attached to anything. It's just water. They're just building it. Yeah, so it can look like it's on a marina. (laughs) Okay. Um, Is it in a football stadium? (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. Take a look at it, man. They have a... Okay, so you can get the marina grandstand is a part of the track where they are building a fake marina. Watch the inaugural Miami Grand Prix from a seat in the marina grandstand. That sounds lovely. Uh, Look, I'm, of course, very excited for... Seven to eight U.S. Grand Prix per year. I'm really excited for the future of Formula One and all these stupid European races go away because who wants to watch those? You're we really out for me today, aren't you? You really uh, are. I don't bit. know what I did to you. I'm not sure what I've done to you. <laughs> but uh, no, uh, I am looking forward to seeing the race. I'm always excited when we go to a new track. Uh, the Miami Grand Prix doesn't look like the most inspiring racetrack I've ever seen in my life. But you know what? It's one thing to look at a, an, a layout and be like, hmm, that looks whatever, and then actually yep. see the racing. So... Hopeful that it'll be exciting. I'm never uh, a huge fan of Miami itself. I still think Vegas is going to be a much bigger spectacle. But I'm happy that there's a marina so that we can see water because uh, that was. I'm cool not even TV. sure if there's going to be water in there. It might just be painted <laughs> blue. We'll find out. I mean, but that's in two weeks, right? Two weeks, yeah. So yep. no race next week. So yep. everyone in the U.S. like me gets to sleep in for a weekend, which is going to be really nice. But yeah, but uh, there will be no race next week. There will be the Miami Grand Prix next week, or sorry, two weeks from now. Two and fun now. fact, if you are in the States, it's actually going to be broadcast on regular ABC TV, which means that it's probably going to be a much, much higher viewership number than traditional races ever get. Obviously, it's better timing as well. Are you excited for the Crypto.com Miami Grand Prix? Oh, boy. I love Crypto.com Arena with all the crypto sponsors. I really feel like crypto is just the new cigarette branding. It really feels yes, like that's what's is. happening right now. I think every team has some form of crypto sponsorship, and there's, I think that's only going to continue. There's one team that doesn't. I don't remember who it is. There's, I think out of everyone, I think it's maybe, I don't know who it is, but I think there's one team who currently does that not have lost. a crypto sponsor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it's Williams, it's actually, the, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it, it definitely won't last. Yeah, so that race for me is at 8.30 p.m., which I think is pretty decent. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. happy with that. I'm excited. Some, yes. Do you want to go through some listener questions before we yes, bounce? Yes, I do. I All do. Right. Uh, so we have some comments and questions from listeners, uh, which we collect. I, I pick some out as we're live from the live chat. If you're saying, hey, live, I'm listening to this afterwards, you can come and join us live on YouTube as soon as we can after every race weekend on the race on the Sunday. We're at backmarkers.live, or you can find us on YouTube. And, of course, you can uh, listen to us later on over at relay.fm slash backmarkers, or you can watch on YouTube as well. Uh, and we're gonna, we've mentioned this before that when uh, we stream live, we do a little bit of Hangout and Q&A uh, on the live stream after on YouTube after we finish. We've decided we're actually going to keep that in the video version. So uh, if you want a little bit of extra Hangout time with us, come check out the video um, on, on our YouTube channel. We're going to leave that in from now on. So Tony Skeeter pointed out that Toto apparently apologized to Lewis over the team radio for the car. Yeah, and I know that there was a lot of talk, uh, I think after qualifying or after the sprint, uh, Lewis was like very animatedly talking with Toto and it seemed mm-hmm. like they were not happy, which uh, fair enough because I wouldn't be happy either in that kind of scenario. Yeah. But I mean, people yeah. try and make it out like now they're villain, like they yeah. hate each other, like rather than they're just upset about the situation that's going <laughs> yeah. on, right? Which is like a, it's like a fun thing. Um, if I'm Toto Wolf, mm. I'm nervous, right? 
Of course. You don't want because an unhappy Lewis Hamilton on your team. Nope. He is under annual contracts <laughs> every year he signs. No, actually, I think Lewis is on through next year, isn't he? I don't remember. I Maybe think not, he's then. under through the end of next year, uh, but we'll see. Nevertheless, you don't want it, right? Yeah. You don't yeah. want it. Uh, Tableau Tim said, Red Bull have experience chasing a championship and generally are a better drilled team. Checo really has made them a fully functioning team. I think that is a fantastic point that I wanted to mention. You know, we, we've spoken about this before, and I think this is something that multiple seasons of Drive to Survivors have uh, focused on, that there's never been somebody who can match up to Max and that Red Bull is always looking for that person. They have found that person in Sergio Perez, which is yeah. unbelievable considering Sergio Perez was... He kept a race seat by the skin of his teeth. He, yeah. There was no seat for him. And it was just where the chips fell that it ended up that he could get it. Mike has confirmed, by the way, contract to 2023. So thanks to Mike Bella in the chat. Uh, yeah. That's for Lewis. But yeah, Sergio is fantastic. Yes. Sergio is fantastic. Honestly, there was no max. Sergio would probably be winning Grand Prix. Like he would be winning. You know, like uh, uh, if you look at it, right, like he would have more wins. Max is like the only reason that Sergio is not winning more Grand Prix because he would have yeah. won today, for example. Yeah, yeah, I agree. No. It's definitely, I think, a great point to consider that, yeah, Red Bull just seemed like they're really just, it's, they're just drilled in, they're dialed in. They just spent the last year fighting super, super closely with Mercedes. Nothing against Ferrari, and I don't think that a lot of these mistakes are Ferrari just being kind of loosey-goosey or whatever, but I think Red Bull are just operating super efficiently across the board right now, short of their car exploding every other race, but... Outside of that, they've been doing really well. And I do think we're starting to see the fruits of that labor, whereas some of the other teams are starting to, to crumble and crack a little bit. But it's, it's one of those things where with the budget cap existing the way it is, right? These manufacturers, Red Bull, Ferrari, Mercedes, they can't just spend their way to you know fixing their cars and doing everything they can. Everyone's very much limited, which is part of the reason why we're not seeing Mercedes every race throwing 100 parts on the car and trying to fix it. Everyone's really limited. And the thing is, what you had at the beginning of the race or the beginning of the season, kind of what you're going to have to work with somewhat throughout the entire sort of season. So it's good to see that Red Bull, even after a super intense championship fight, have landed with a solid car, maybe not quite as good as Ferrari, but a solid car, and they're able to kind of work on that throughout the year, whereas I feel like Mercedes are probably going to spend at least half the year just firefighting to try to get that car vaguely usable before they can even start to develop it from there. Uh, Mike Cabela says, how do you feel about the return of the cool-down room? This was the first of uh, at least one for you, right? Uh, I was screaming with joy when I saw it. What, Same. Can you explain the cool-down room? I was very confused by what was happening <laughs> uh, on TV. So, yeah, that was the thing that uh, it was around for quite a while. I actually don't know when they stopped it. I think it was a, it was a few years ago or something. But essentially, the cool-down room is exactly what it sounds like. After the, the race, the podium finishers go into a room have a drink of water. The cameras are, of course, rolling as they're all talking about like, oh, yeah, the car was this and this happened and oh, whatever. They're also watching replays on the wall too. So they're seeing like there was a moment where like it was Max, it was Checo and it was uh, Carlo. Lando. Lando, thank you. And they're like, oh, what happened to Charles? And like they didn't actually fully understand what had happened. They were seeing the replay and like, oh, we had to come in for that. And it, it's great. I'm so happy. There's so many great yeah, cool. moments. Yeah, so many great moments from the cool down room in the past. I'm excited to have it back. Hopefully it's a permanent fixture now. Because there's always that clip that I see of uh, Nico Rosberg throwing his hat at Lewis. Yes. Right? 
Yes. Oh, there's so that, there, there are a lot of great moments I in that cooldown room. Yeah, absolutely. I'm very. The thing is though, like, it's like, oh, we'll apologize for the language every single time. There is going to be bad language, right? <laughs> right? Oh, because absolutely. they're so amped up and they're just talking yeah. to each other. Yeah. Like, but you know, that doesn't but, bother me. But I just found it like a funny thing. Exactly. If they start sensing themselves, there's just gonna be like another interview. I I want to see them hanging out and you know, talking. Oh, yes. Steve has said in the chat they probably just stopped it because of COVID. That's a good question because I don't know. Yeah, maybe maybe that's the case. Yeah, because I know it had been a while since we've seen it. I thought they'd stopped it earlier, but yeah, maybe it was just a COVID thing. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, last one we'll get to today. I want to answer, answer a few more uh, in the post show. Uh, Chalk Chalkson asks, uh, "What did you think about the strategy of Ricardo with the me- having the mediums and instantly switching to the hard tires?" I think <sighs> Danny Rick's race was basically as soon as he spun out the beginning, he was testing stuff for Lando. I really think that was what it was. He was doing data gathering. Testing the compounds. Yeah. He would jump on the hard. They knew he, was, he wasn't going to perform. So let's find out what we can, the yeah. most we can, so Lando can maximize. I think yeah. that was all it was, right? I yeah. think so too, because those hards did not work. I don't think anyone else in the rest of the race put hards on. Uh, yeah, it just it wasn't, it wasn't his race. I mean, it could have been better. I think it was as soon as he made that mistake, as soon as he spun out and it was at the back of the field, he was not going to be able to recover. So I think at that point, he was just kind of a, had to be a team player whether he wanted to be or not. All right, so if you've got questions, thoughts, comments that you want to get to us, you can send them to us via Twitter at BackmarkersLive. Uh, don't forget BackmarkersLive for the YouTube video. Uh, we record this. You can see the two of us. You can see graphics that we put up. Uh, thank you to everyone in the live chat who was correcting my graphics as we was going through so I can make <laughs> some uh, adaptions to them. I'm still getting my head around this, trying to get it done as quickly as possible. Do not give a shout out to the F1 website for taking so long to update their graphics and their standings. I don't know why every other, um, I was use. I would like to give a special thanks to motorsport.com today for providing me with the statistics that I need because for some reason the official F1 website can't get them done quickly enough. Uh, but also you can catch our new uh, YouTube post show, our own cool down room. <laughs> ah, ah, that's it. We found it. If you want to hang out for other, the back markers cool down room, which I guess for the back markers would be like they'd be back in like a garage, like the corner <laughs> of a garage somewhere. Yep. Like there's like a leaky pipe in the corner <laughs> or something, and they're all hanging out near that. Uh, so you can catch us for the back markers cool down room. Uh, you can go to backmarkers.live for the YouTube video, watch us there, and hang out. Or if you want to catch the audio, we're at backmarkers.fm, and we'll be back in a couple of weeks' time as we head back to the old US of A. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, it's my I'm Mike Hurley. He's Austin Evans, obviously the American one. Say goodbye, Austin. Freedom! Oh, jeez. Wait, but that's that's not America. That's I, Scotland. We like freedom too, Mike. Don't take our okay. freedom away. That went badly <laughs> last time. <laughs>